Welcome to Sherna Talks Beauty. I'm your host, Sherna Malone, and I love nothing more than a good chat. From skincare to self-care, makeup to menopause, no topic is off limits. So get ready to learn and be inspired as we embrace all forms of beauty and discover how to look and feel your best inside and out. This week's episode is brought to you by Menoactive, your menopause super supplement from Revive Active. Menoactive is a comprehensive menopause super supplement containing 31 active ingredients delivered in a unique daily powdered sachet and one daily capsule to support your menopause journey. To find out more, talk to your local health food store, pharmacy, or visit reviveactive.com. You're very welcome back to Sherna Talks Beauty. I hope you're all keeping well. Before I give you a little bit of background on this week's guest, there was a great response to the last episode on tweakments with Alice Hart Davis. Uh, Tweakments and treatments, especially Alice's checklist for finding the right practitioner. You found that very informative and helpful, which is great. And as I always say, knowledge is power. And once you have the right information, you can make the right decisions. So if the area of injectable treatments, I suppose, is something you have been toying with, but were a little unsure, listen back if you haven't already. And there are lots more recommendations and answers to some follower questions too. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to have Dr. Fiona Barry as my special guest. I always love spending time with Fiona and recording this was a real treat for me. She is a trailblazer in the realm of women's health, educating women of all ages on all aspects of health, particularly hormonal health. Um, She describes herself as an unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself. And in her Cork clinic, she has successfully treated thousands of clients uh, with hormonal issues, fertility challenges, emotional trauma and physical pain. And if that wasn't enough, she also works as a wellness consultant for Revive Active and was an integral part of the formulation team for their menopause super supplement Menoactive, which I wouldn't be without. In this episode, we tap into her wealth of knowledge and insights on menopause, fertility, and much, much more, along with answering some of your questions. Here is the fabulous Dr. Fiona Barry. Enjoy. Fiona, thank you so much for being here with me today. I was remembering back on our first uh, meeting, and it was a train journey to a Menoactive event up in Dublin. An early one. An early one. We were on the 7am uh, train and both of us, I think, thinking, Ooh, maybe we'll just have a little bit of shut eye uh, on the train journey. Which didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen <laughs> at all. We talked from the moment the train departed until we arrived in Houston and it was the best train journey, full of the chats uh, and I loved it. And it's so lovely, like I said, to have you here with me today. I explained at the beginning or I um, I was introducing you to listeners and your background. What, you know, or how did your journey uh, with Chinese medicine begin? Wow. Okay. It actually began when I would have been doing my degree in biomedicine. Um, I was suffering really badly with my sinuses and had been for a number of years and my medicine was failing me. Um, I found that I was just taking decongestants. I was constantly on decongestants or painkillers. And then if I stopped them, of course, I got rebound sinuses, uh, which was 
far more painful. Um, and somebody at the time suggested, would I consider having acupuncture done? So not knowing a thing, I said I would try anything. And I went to see a lovely chap called Ger Lyons. He had just returned from a stint in China where he had studied Chinese medicine. He had just opened up his own clinic here in Cork. And I'd say I was probably one of his very first patients. And probably just as well for him, he wasn't very busy, uh, which was as well for me, because of course I was full of questions. <laughs> I wanted to know exactly what he was doing. And I think what blew me away was that I went in with sinus issues and I found myself sitting there being asked questions about my digestive health and my menstrual cycle and my sleep patterns. And I was thinking, what has that got to do with my sinuses? And then I was blown away when he stuck the first needles in my feet. And again, I was going, what has that got to do with my sinuses? Yet within a couple of sessions, my sinuses, I, I didn't have any issues with them. They were completely cleared. Um, and so I think in the end, I kept going because I wanted to know more. Yeah. And I was just fascinated. And I was fascinated by the idea that um, I think we're so used to with me Western medicine, it's so reductionist and it's so compartmentalized. So, you know, if you've got an issue, say, with your heart, you go to see uh, a cardiologist. If you have an issue with your gut, you go to see a gastroenterologist. But none of them talk to each other. Mm. And these are only all par parts of a whole and you are that whole. So I loved the idea of Chinese medicine, the fact that it is holistic. It doesn't separate the mind from the body. It doesn't separate any body part from another body part. Yeah. And it doesn't separate the person from their environment. And I was actually in the middle. I, I Then I did a PhD. So I didn't kind of forego yes, all of my yeah. training. I still carried on. Um, the other thing, the other um, thing that happened actually after that, those sessions was I never got a migraine afterwards again. Really? And I had been suffering with the migraines as well. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. And again, this is a kind of a central tenet to um, to Chinese medicine is that things start from the outside and they work themselves in. So I had started my childhood with hay fever. That went a little bit deeper and became sinusitis and that went deeper, deeper again and became migraines. So that that is the way we view things in Chinese medicine is they tend to start on the outside more superficial. Yeah. And if you don't deal with them, they start to actually go more to the interior. And the more interior it is, then we would view that as being more serious. So I kind of felt I was on a trajectory when I started studying Chinese medicine. If I hadn't, if I didn't understand that, I was on a trajectory of really things becoming more serious because my body was actually, that's what was happening with my body. Yes, it was, yeah. it was becoming more serious. But yeah, so I never suffered migraines again after that those sessions. So I never forgot it. Carried on, did my PhD, was over, did a, a numerous postdocs. And then I just decided, what am I doing? I, I wasn't, I loved working in the lab. I loved working mm. with my hands. I loved the idea that I was, my research could help people, but it was too removed from people. So I knew I wanted to change. I considered doing, going back and doing medicine. Um, and then I also knew enough about myself, had enough self-awareness, <laughs> uh, which I'm still working on, um, to understand that I didn't like bureaucracy. I didn't, I I tend, I'm a very lateral thinker. I don't do well being told what to do or I don't do well being told how to think. 
Um, I like to make up my mind, my own mind on things. And I, I'm an eternal student. I'm constantly researching. Um, actually, I realized in the car on the way up here, I was going, <laughs> I'm a complete nerd because I'm at the moment I'm studying for, for final exams in another diploma in Chinese herbal medicine. And I was going, oh, my God, I am such a nerd. Um, <laughs> but I can't stop myself. I love it. So and I'm always looking for more and wanting to know more. Um, and I just thought, no. And the other thing is I had a problem with the reductionist. I thought, OK, I know I would have probably ended up specialising in gynaecology and obstetrics. But I thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to keep my hand out of yes. everything else. Um, and that was where I started researching more then into Chinese medicine. I thought, ah, this is a way I can actually deal with the whole body. Yeah. This I like this. And I just loved the philosophy behind it. And I mean, I can honestly say the longer I'm practicing it, the less I feel I know. Um, and the more I'm hungry to to, to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just find it amazing. So no day is the same. Oh, and I mean, you have two very busy clinics in Cork. And with regard to men and women who come to see you, I mean, what are the main things uh, they would be coming to see you for? I mean, I know you focus an awful lot on women's health. Would you just maybe take us through through that and maybe some of the, as I said, the the concerns that people would be, ha you know, that w people would have going to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I suppose I I kind of advertise, I suppose, um, as women, a women's health uh, clinic. But I do see men as well, mm. as you said. Um, primarily, I suppose, it, like I would say over 90%, if not 95% of my uh, clientele are women. Uh, it's, I suppose, again, it is uh, primarily hormonal health. So everything from menstrual irregularities to fertility to menopause. So I see women the whole way through. Um, I do obviously see men for fertility as well. And um, I would see both men and women for issues like musculoskeletal issues, like pain management that could be acute because of an injury or chronic, such as maybe yeah. arthritis. I would see people for digestive um, issues, for uh, neurological conditions. So I would see Alzheimer's clients. I would I would have clients who have um, Parkinson's. So really uh, immunological issues, so kind of autoimmune diseases. So it really is across the full it spectrum. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we could just go back to, we'll say fertility, I want to touch on menopause now as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's I'm, where I'm we're at, all that's, at. Yeah, that's where we're all at. And we'll come to that. But the, you know, fertility, and I remember talking to you once about this before, uh, probably on the train, uh, going up to uh, up to Dublin that day. I mean, we often think of, you know, women uh, when it comes to fertility. And I remember at the time you saying also men and how it's important for men uh, as well to, you know, as I said, come and see you. Will you just give us a little bit more of an insight into that if somebody is having problems conceiving? Um, and you have a huge success rate. And I just actually really want to highlight that, um, which is fantastic. And you Thank have you. brought us, you know, so much joy to so many couples out there. Could we just spend a little bit of time talking about that, Fiona? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's really interesting that even with my fertility clients, I would say 95% of them are women and only about 5% men. Yet when it comes to fertility issues, the statistics show that actually 50% of the issues are male factor in fertility. And I think actually it was that 
statistic that blew me away. Um, and I'm not sure if many people would know that. Yeah. And of that 50%, you're talking about 20% of it is solely male factor infertility. And then 30% would be maybe where there's a mix that's it's suboptimal on the male side. And maybe the, maybe there's something going on with the female as well. But it is very much kind of a 50-50 split. So I, I think it's really interesting to think that mm-hmm. still the, I suppose... The thought is nearly or the thinking is that it primarily lies with women. And I do understand we definitely are more complex biologically. Um, And I think it's by virtue of the fact that we're the one who carry the children Mm. that it's nearly viewed that obviously it's primarily down to us. But it it just the statistics don't um, reflect that at all. Um, And there's no doubt there's been a huge decline in fertility in the last number of years. Currently, globally, you have about one in eight couples are struggling with their fertility. And in Ireland, the last kind of statistical analysis that was done, which is a few years old now, it, it was one in six couples. I'd say it's closer to one in five, if not really? one in four now. So that, like, that's massive. Really? And are they and, and the reason behind that, Fiona? Is there anything particular? I I think it's multifactorial yeah. when it comes to male fertility. There's no doubt that um, the quality um, of semen, so the quality and the and the of and the quantity I suppose, of yeah. sperm. So uh, the semen analysis definitively is going down. Like uh, it was 1970, uh, sorry, 1973. Yeah, that was the first edition of yeah. of the. The WHO, as in the the World, World Health, Health Organization, Organization. their their guidelines for um, semen analysis, and you're talking about back in 1973, um, the average, yeah, mm-hmm. the average um, sperm count was about 104 million sperm per mil of semen. Um, by the late 1980s, that had reduced down to. Um, it's somewhere, I think, around the kind of 60 million per mil. Um, and it's continuing to decrease all the time. So the WHO guidelines have actually changed. So the fifth edition was uh, published in 2010. And in 2000, if you had had, a, if so, if a man had had a semen analysis done the year previous and was deemed um normal if he had actually the pra- or sorry it was deemed abnormal then if he use, if you use the parameters the year later mm-hmm. he would be in the normal category and that's that was for about 30% of men so they they changed the ranges so um and I I'm not I don't think that's necessarily yeah. a good thing um because I think then now there's not there's a again this lack of awareness that the particularly like male fertility is hugely on the decline. And in fact, the, the latest stats have shown that come if things carry on the way they're going and if the um, sperm and the semen analysis declines at the rate it's going, then by 2045, which isn't too long away, um, men realistically will be unable to um, impregnate women. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, Fiona. so yeah. it's huge. Um, with women, obviously, it's more complex. Um, but I think women probably tend to be a bit more proactive mm-hmm. about doing something, and we're lucky enough that we have our menstrual cycle to alert us to maybe an issue. Yes, yeah. There being issues there. In saying that, still, you know, I think the way um, women's fertility is dealt with. I think fertility as a whole, to be honest, the way it's dealt with, 
isn't good. Um, I think there's there seems to be a message out there that um, IVF will sort it all out. Yes, yeah. You know that, oh look, you know, don't worry about your fertility, you know, stay on hormonal contraceptives or whatever until you're ready to have a child and or until you're ready to conceive and then sure, look, we'll, we'll look at it then. So there's a lot of women who come to me and they maybe have undiagnosed endometriosis or they may, might have um, pill-induced amenorrhea, which is lack of periods. But they're, they've been told not to worry about it until they want to conceive. But in my mind and in my experience, that that's too late. So, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you think uh, or would it be more beneficial if a couple are deciding they're together and they're deciding, do you know what, we'd like to start a family um, and you always hope that everything will be plain sailing, but sometimes it's not. Is it a case that you have couples who would go to you, bef- you know, as they embark on this journey so that they are preparing their bodies as best they can? Or w- uh, would yeah. I be right in saying that? Absolutely. So, again, when we look at, I suppose, the scientific evidence that's out there, women who have never been on a hormonal contraceptive um, will conceive far quicker than those. In fact, it can take people, women who have been on hormonal contraceptive um, on average twice as long to conceive. Uh, so I would be saying if you're on some sort of hormonal contraceptive as a woman, then I would be saying if you're thinking about having a family, then you would want to be off that for a year or two, at least if you've been on yeah. it kind of somewhat longer term. Um, again, this is one of the things that I, I struggle with. Um, I suppose while I have the clinics, um, I, my mission really is to start educating people, um, particularly women, about how our body works and, and about our health and about also just, I suppose, keeping your critical thinking, yes. you know, and, and using your critical thinking when it comes to how you want to approach your health and how you want to approach, say, your fertility or your reproductive health or your hormones or whatever aspect it is. Because, again, I think our medical system is very designed. It's it's way too, we're overdiagnosed and we are nearly all about disease as opposed to about health. Yes. So I think there's not yeah. enough education about how to keep yourself healthy. Yeah. How to so in other words, how to optimize your fertility. And also, you know, when you when you I certainly know when I was say first went about the, you know, going on the pill. And I mean I did take the yeah. pill and I um, you know, so I'd never say to somebody, oh, you shouldn't do that. But I can honestly say I don't think I was ever properly informed. Mm. So I'm really big into making sure that somebody is very aware of, you know, the impact. So it shouldn't be just what if you're going on a medication such as, say, the pill. Okay, these are the this is what it's going to do for you. But these are the potential downsides. That doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to work. They're they're all all going to happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. um, But it's to have that awareness around it. So, yeah, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, you you wouldn't expect to, you know, decide today, oh, I'm going to put on a pair of of runners. I'm going to start training and tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. Of course. You know, and a good analogy. Yeah. 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 So what you do is you kind of think, okay, I'm, we're thinking of conceiving. You don't want to just think about the ability to get pregnant, carrying that child, giving birth. You also have to think, okay, what's that child's health going to be like? So, you know, it's, to me, it's always about thinking longer term. So, 
you want to make sure you've got the best quality sperm, the best quality egg, and also the best quality environment for that, you know, that embryo to grow in. And I think when you think of it that way, you think, okay, actually, yeah, to make sure that we're, we're both in good health. That's, so that's male and female. And also that obviously the female, there's that extra, I don't know, is the word burden, but there is that extra, yeah, that extra thing of you're going to be the one carrying, which means that, you know, really, I think it's, you're behoving to make sure that you are in the best, you know, place health-wise that, that you can be. Yeah, but that makes so much sense, Fiona. It really does. Um, so, yeah, so basically for those who possibly are, you know, thinking about starting their journey uh, and conceiving, it would be very beneficial, obviously, to go and, and, and see you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And, and my approach is very holistic. It doesn't mean that you're buying into you know, loads of acupuncture or anything yeah. like that, you know, yes, I might suggest a course of it. it you know, it's very much, it's bespoke. Okay. It depends yeah. on where the person is coming from, but a huge amount can be achieved. And that's what I'm about. It's about empowering people, I suppose, to do as much as they can for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it it's, I would be very much about, you know, um, giving advice on, you know, diet, lifestyle, anything that can be done to, um, promote and to enhance the, per- the the couple's own natural fertility. That's even if they're coming for assisted fertility. They might be coming, they might already have embarked on, you know, assisted fertility and if assisted fertility journey such as IUI or IVF. But I will still be going back and saying, okay, you know, it's funny, I, I said it to a client yesterday that I think the the words or the phrase fertility clinic is the is the biggest misnomer because fertility clinics aren't interested in your fertility. They, they should be called conception clinics. That's in my mind. That would be in my opinion because they're interested really in, in, in getting you to conceive. That's their job yeah, done. Yeah. You know, they, it's just get you pregnant and it's not even caring for you during the pregnancy. It's just, let's get you pregnant. But I, I know from dealing with clients that the fertility clinics they don't talk about how to improve egg quality, how to improve sperm quality. They don't talk about preparing yourself. They don't talk about diet. They don't talk about sleep, about lifestyle. None of that is taken into consideration. And I think it it does couples a huge disservice. Yeah. Um, I think it's very unfair because most couples that find themselves in a fertility clinic are very vulnerable. They're, of course they you are, know, yes, And they're yeah. investing something that is going to cost them financially. Mm. It's going to cost them physically. It's going to cost them mentally, emotionally, and also in their within their relationship. It's a huge stress. Um, so I think they deserve to be to be treated with kick gloves and minded. Actually, Fiona, um, you know, we're just talking about obviously fertility there. Are there any common misconceptions or myths about? fertility uh, or indeed menstrual uh, irregularities or pregnancy related issues? Mm, Okay, that's a really good question. Um, Pregnancy related, I would probably say the one I come across the most is that um, women and also a lot of obstetricians seem to think that women can't have acupuncture during their pregnancy and it's fantastic. So um, it can be, yeah, so you can have acupuncture as long as it's with a licensed acupuncturist uh, for 
the whole way through your pregnancy, which is a fantastic option because obviously you know yourself when you're pregnant, you're very limited in any sort of medications and interventions you can have. So it can offer um, a huge amount of relief to women for things like, you know, maybe musculoskeletal, like pains and aches, like mm. back, back ache, um, headaches. A lot of women get a lot of sinus related issues when they're pregnant due to the change in hormones. Um, so, and obviously then you've got the morning sickness yes, as well. Yeah. So there's an awful lot, I think, that Chinese medicine can do that um, Western medicine can't do when a woman is pregnant. Um, menstrual irregularities. Wow, that's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's as well we didn't have yeah. the gin and tonic. Um, actually, what I would say with that is, is that your menstrual cycle should be regular. Um, dysmenorrhea, which would be painful periods, are not normal. Menorrhagia, which would be heavy, very heavy bleeding, is not normal. Um, so anything, your period should be nothing more than a slight inconvenience. PMT, PMD, none of that is normal. Really? Mm. And I, I do think we're grossly uneducated about our bodies um, as women. Um and and even the even medical field itself, um, it's way behind in women's body. We were seen as too complex. Yeah. So even when it comes to the like right up into the nineties, um, all drug trials were done only on men. So and again, with I think very little understanding of the fact that our physiology is completely different to men, which means that many of the drugs that are on the market, um, the effect on women would would was basically unknown. Um, so because, and of course, obviously we respond and metabolize drugs differently yeah. to men. So um, I think we've got a lot of ground to catch up on. So I would say if you've got a cycle that is anyway irregular, if you have a cycle that is in, you know, any way painful, in other words, where you have to take something yeah. for it. Or take time off. I, like, or I take mean, time I know off. people mm -hmm. who'd actually have to take a day or two off work and even going back to my, my school days, a long time ago now, but like, I do remember people would be crippled with period pain. Mm. I would have been one of those people. And yeah. And and it was, it was seen as normal and it's still seen yeah. as normal and it's not normal and it doesn't have to be that way at all. Yeah. Um, so that would be around menstrual health. Um, the other thing I would say around menstrual health would be, you know, the advice I'd give is that your menstrual cycle is a reflection of how your internal system is working. So if you've got an issue with your menstrual cycle, then that is your body's way of telling you something is not right. Okay. Um, so I would be saying, listen to it. It's the same, yeah. you know, it's the same with our digestive health. You know, if you're not pooping on a regular yes, basis yeah. and doing it easily um, and it shouldn't be accompanied with pain or pushing or anything like that. And so if your bowel motions aren't regular, then, you know, and easy, then that's also your body telling you mm. something that something isn't quite right because everything should be moving kind of in a smooth flow yes, and it should be yeah. exactly the same. Our bowel movements, our menstrual cycle, it should all be a nice smooth flow uh, with a with a natural kind of 
um, so, rhythm to it yeah, and cycle. Yeah. So, you know, lots of people will say, oh, yeah, I poop first thing in the morning, you know, and our body mm. loves that. Our body looks for regularity. Our body looks for routine. Our body yeah. loves routine. Yeah. You know, just think about when we go on holidays. Like, I know that's it. Constipation <laughs> sitting. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just what yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's your body's way of just acclimatizing again, because you're out of sync. Maybe you had to get up early for a flight. Maybe you're eating different food, you know, and yeah. and our body has to have time to readjust to that. Um, around menopause. Um, yeah, anything. Uh, yeah, I there. think actually, you know, it's brilliant that there is so much talk about it. It's fantastic because anything that's out in the open and being talked about, mm. that has to be beneficial. I, I think, though, that it's getting a lot of negative press. Mm. And I think there's nearly an assumption that, you know, your life is over and it's all downhill um, and that you're going to suffer. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, I know it's 25 percent. You might say, oh, well, you know, or well, 15 percent, really, actually, about 85 percent of women will will have some sort of symptoms. 15 percent of women, though, won't have any symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of that 85 percent, you're not, you know, the majority of them, you know, it's like everything, everything falls in a distribution. So you will have, you'll have a percentage of those women who have very severe symptoms. You'll have a percentage that uh, have very mild symptoms. And then somewhere in the middle, you'll have people, uh, women who have maybe mild to moderate mm. symptoms, which will wax and wane. Um, and there's and, loads of them. <laughs> oh, the, oh God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, Fork you know, 40 something. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you know, and it's amazing because it changes yeah. year on year. Yeah. It's nearly like every week. Oh, there's a new symptom. Yeah. Um, but and I and I would say, yeah, I, that would be my big thing really is like, I, I think it's an amazing, an amazing time of life. Like in, in Chinese medicine, it's called the second spring. Isn't that lovely? Which is brilliant. <laughs> like, yeah. Because again, in Chinese medicine, are we view your reproductive capability and your reproductive energy is very close to closely linked to your creative energy. So within Chinese medicine, it's seen that when your uh, reproductive energy declines, that is that energy is then utilized for creativity. And you, if you even think about like all of, well, certainly for me anyway, I would think almost all of the business women I know, they seem to just hit the ground running and they go on this amazing trajectory and this amazing journey when they kind of hit their 40s. Actually, now that you say yeah, that's actually quite true. Yeah, 40s yeah, and 50s. Yeah. And and actually, just to bring back, and I, I know I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show, um, I mean, I've said this to you, you know, I'm not on HRT. I take Menoactive every single day. And you know, since it launched and it is certainly supporting me and helping me on my menopause journey. Now, whether that changes, I, you know, I don't know, or if I need something else at some point, I don't know, but I don't have, the only main symptom I have is actually the brain fog, which I find really crippling sometimes because I'm just literally walking into rooms and I'm like, oh God, what did I just walk in here for? And just in my line of work, I can find it difficult because I'm just, yeah, forgetting names of things and, and whatnot. And but yet I, look at you doing a podcast oh, now. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, trying to remember everything and my questions for you, Fiona. But you were part of the formulation um, or you were on the formulation team for Menno Active. Um, tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Uh, I, th- I find it a phenomenal um, supplement uh, and I actually gave, uh, gave it to um, somebody uh, close to me 
and they have just been taking it a month and already they they are feeling an awful lot better in themselves. I was delighted to Oh, that's to get brilliant that to hear. Yeah. Uh, that was a great adventure, I'd have to say. Um, that came about during COVID um, when I would have joined Revive Active as a health consultant back in early 2020. And yeah, I literally, I'd say the ink was barely, barely dry <laughs> on my contract. And then all of a sudden, of course, we went into lockdown. And, you know, to every cloud, there's a silver lining. And I suppose what happened was it meant that um, they had already been researching, doing a lot of research um, and desk research at that stage into um, a supplement for menopause and perimenopause. And that was the point at which I came on board. So um, there was a um, crowd called Shannon ABC that had been doing that work for them, that research work. And then Dahi, who would be the founder of, mm-hmm. of Revive Active, um, asked me, would I get involved? I suppose that was given my background. That was my background in, with the PhD in pharmacology. And then obviously currently what I do with Chinese medicine yes. and, and the herbs and stuff. So um I was delighted to get involved in it. I thought it was a genius idea to get to get me involved in it in one way, not tooting my own horn at all. But this is the first, I think, the, uh, Revive Active are the first company now that I know of that have actually involved somebody in the formulation that is working at the coalface with the women who are actually going to be using the product. And so I'm dealing with women on a daily basis who are coming in. So I was able to kind of say, well, this is what I'm seeing in clinic. You know, the the primary things that are are bothering women, the primary symptoms would be, um, yeah, the psychological, on the psychological side would be the brain fog, anxiety. They would be huge. Um, And also then things like sleep disturbances, hot flushes. Um, So it was brilliant. And so it was fantastic for me to be able to marry up I suppose, all of my nerdiness, um, my background, you know, to go back into the research side of things and to be reading papers and um, about, uh, you know, on obviously the different botanicals that we might want to put into it. Um, and also then, you know, utilising all of my experience and, um, you know, everything I had gained from the Chinese medicine yes, perspective yeah. as well. So, um yeah, so then it, uh, I worked then with, an, there was another guy, um, Stephen. He is part of another company. Um, uh, again, he he was brought in on the formulation. Um, Stephen and myself had many, many amazing conversations. I can imagine. Um, yeah. yeah, and so he did an awful lot. When we started looking at the botanicals, um, he did a lot of the, he did actually, he did the grunt work. God love him. Um, reading through, I mean, thousands and I really mean thousands. And that was on top of all the other research yes, that had already yeah. been done. So it really was an amalgamation of the whole lot. Um, thousands of papers when we started to kind of whittle down what botanicals we wanted to put in there. And obviously then this is where we came up with the the formulation that now is menoactive, where obviously you still have your your vitamins and minerals, yeah. so all those micronutrients in there, but you have the addition of the botanicals, which would be your sage, sage your ashwagandha, yeah, the ashwagandha, yeah. green tea and genistin. And uh, Fiona actually has her shaker here with her Menno Active. Uh, yeah, and for those who might not be aware, it's a, a sachet and a capsule actually is how you take it. And every morning, uh, without fail, 
I take my menoactive. Um, and like I said, it's certainly helping me on my menopause journey. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Obviously, the fact with all the ingredients, I mean, you're talking about 31 active ingredients in it. Um, and I know that when we were doing the formulation, I was kind of going, could it all be in capsules? Because, of course, I'm I'm wicked for I, I just want to take something and go. Um, but I think it's really interesting to note. Uh, I was put firmly in my box by by Colm, who is amazing. Um, and um, he would have been head of production in Revive Active. And he said, well, Fiona, I'll put it in context for you. If we were to put everything that we have in Menoactive into capsules, you'd be taking 18 capsules. And I went, oh, okay. Oh, 18. <laughs> 18, cal- yeah. Oh, so, so it's, I think we did well. Well done well on it. a super formulation. Thank you. Uh, it has to be said. Fiona, before I let you go, and there was uh, quite a few follower questions when I put up the question box, um, and we might not have time for all of them, um, but even if we could just take one uh, or two for now, we'll see how we get on time-wise. I'm conscious of your time, and I know you need to get back to clinic. Um, If you have IVF, do you have uh, any earlier menopause? Um, at the moment, it looks like that's not the case. Um, there is the, the research is only currently being done on it. Um, one thing that has come out, though, is that there does seem to be a link with uh, people who have responded poorly to IVF medication, potentially um, going into an earlier menopause because it may be reflective that they have a lower ovarian reserve. Um, but that's, that's a link. It's not definitive. Um, and I don't know whether this might be a quick one to answer, Fiona. If it is, great. If not, you know, I can always put it up um, as a post on Instagram. Tips for eating for your cycle. Oh, okay. That's the a short great. version. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A whistle stop tour. Yeah. Maybe we'll put something more chunky yeah. up on as a post. Okay. So when we're menstruating, we have to think that we are losing blood. So therefore, we want to make sure that we're replacing any of the kind of lost vitamins and minerals. Um, So also, when we're moving something like moving blood, we want to make sure that you are not trying, you're not impeding that in any way. So things flow better when when our blood flows better, when our um, vessels are open and dilated. So we want smooth flow. So therefore, we want to make sure that we're warm. Okay, yes. so warming foods. So think about spices a bit, uh, say like star anise, ginger, um, cinnamon, cinnamon, stuff like yeah. that. Okay. And then with foods, we want to replace lost nutri- nutrients. So think about things like casseroles and stews. stews. And the reason I say things like that is, again, when we cook things like that, casseroles and stews, is we're keeping all the nutritional value within the dish. Yes, of course. Yes. Like, also, what we're doing is we're having st- food that's cooked And we want to make things as easy on our digestive system as possible because our energy has been redirected to menstruating. Okay, so and this is a very we'd call it a very kind of yin time of the cycle, which is, in other words, where you kind of go into yourself and you you want to rest. You want to, you know, you want to prioritize the old self-care. And so that would be that. Then we move into kind of the, the, the other part of our follicular phase. This is this when you've stopped bleeding and you're building up the new lining of the womb. So again, you're looking for a lot of nourishment there. And so again, I would say still kind of prioritize things that are are warm, but the foods will be maybe a little bit lighter. You're still talking about your stews and your casseroles and things like that. But, you know, you might be eating lesser or you might be interspersing that with maybe slightly lighter foods. 
Then you're talking about when you come into now also, obviously, you have to remember the you're looking for a lot of your B vitamins and your folates and stuff like that. So, you know, as long as you're not a vegetarian, you're looking for things with, you know, you might that might be the time that you would have, say, maybe some red meat and that. So you want some good protein there because you're building up that lining. We come to ovulation then. That's a really dynamic. This is where from a Chinese medicine perspective, you're moving into from the yin into the more yang time of the cycle. So this is the where where the balance, this is the, the most yang time because of course that um that egg has to be released from the follicle, which is a very dynamic process. So now you're into lighter foods. Because again, what you want is you want to keep the you're you're lightening the load yes, from your body yeah. you're, and you're encouraging that movement. This is also the time that we tend to be at our most energetic. Yeah. So this is the time for kind of innovation and new ideas and meetings. Um, so yeah, so it's it's also really good to actually think about your menstrual cycle in relation to your your work life and how you plan your work, your working. That's so interesting. Yeah, your, your working schedule. Yeah. So um, it's a good time maybe also for, um, you know, as I said, brainstorming, but maybe to have maybe a difficult meeting with the boss or something like that, <laughs> you know, so that that's around ovulation. Then we're into our luteal phase. That's when you don't have. So we're, we're now going from after ovulation, you know, kind of going back in towards the menstrual cycle. So this is the time where obviously there is a huge amount of the, the lining is built, but where it's now being really nourished mm. because it's being prepared for a possible um, conception and implantation. So again, the foods remain, you're talking about things like your grains, your legumes, rice, fish, um, things like that. So foods that again are lighter, but they're really dense, dense yes. nutrients. Nutrients, you know? okay. Yeah. Um, so are nutritionally dense even. I'm, I'm forgetting my words. <laughs> um, and then we're moving, we're moving back in towards menstruation again. So this is again where we kind of, this is, as I said, not the time to have that, that awkward conversation with the boss because we go back into ourselves. Um, uh, and again, I think it's a, it's our body's wisdom, uh, which is really what I'm about is our body wisdom. Um, it is because obviously this is a time if there was to be conception, it's a very fragile time. So therefore, what we do is we 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 shut down, we 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 go in, we become more introverted again, and this is where again, even from the point of view of your lifestyle, um, it's time to maybe to nourish yourself more, more self care, maybe massages rather than the gym, <laughs> rather than the gym. So you know, again, that your exercise yeah. should change because that this is when a lot of women will actually experience injuries and stuff like that because they're pushing themselves too much. Um, so yeah, so that's that was, a real whistle stop yeah. tour. Well, that was so insightful, Fiona. And thank you so much, um, you know, for giving of your time today. I mean, that is just, yeah, all of the information that you've shared with us, all your knowledge that you've shared with us uh, today. It's just blown me away. It really has. I mean, you're just... You're, yeah, you're fabulous, Fiona. And no mention of beauty. <laughs> oh, no, no, we don't terrible. have time. No, we don't have time for beauty. I, I think this takes precedence, Fiona, now, to be quite honest with you. Fiona, it has been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much. Thanks, Sharon. It was so good of you to have me on. Thank you for listening to Sharon Talks Beauty and thank you to Revive Active, Ireland's number one dietary and supplement brand. If you have any beauty questions or you'd like to get in touch with me, email hello at shernamalone.ie or message me on Instagram at shernamalone.ie. And don't forget to tag me on socials, hashtag Sherna Talks Beauty. Talk soon.